0: Welcome to Brainwaves Bistro. Grab yourselves a cuppa, kick back, and join us for mental health talk with a positive vibe. Here's Julianne.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Brainwaves with a positive vibe. Mental health with your positive vibe as well. We've got a big, big podcast today because we're talking about very important subjects close to my heart and close to... Both the girls, the beautiful Barb Smith, my co-host, and my amazing long-time friend Sue Bussell. She's put up with me for most of her life. God bless her. And what we should know about this is so important. Addiction, autism, and through lived experience here. What we should all know as parents, partners, grandparents, and friends. This is so important. <clears throat> now... We are going to find the positive vibe as always in this conversation, but I have to welcome you both. Hi gals. Hi, Julianne.
0: Hi Julianne. Hi Sue. Hi.
1: Welcome to you both and thanks for being on the team. Bob, you're going to tell us a little later about your lived experience with kitties on the autistic spectrum and the wonderful work your gorgeous hubby he does laurie smith with the kiddies it's wonderful so hang on in there and you'll learn more but sue we have been lifelong buddies and had so many adventures together but we're not going to tell everybody about them exactly notwithstanding unlike me you have so many letters after your name i nickname you the alphabet there you go but seriously forever grateful Sue, for your support and the flowers you bought on visits decades ago when I myself suffered with a mood disorder and deep depression and was hospitalised several times, you are forever in my heart. And Barb, you're going to... I've
0: got a beautiful little friendship graphic that came to our heart and it said, everyone has a friend. During each stage of their life, but only the lucky ones have the same friend in all stages of life.
1: And that's used to, and now I'm going to embarrass you because you're very shy and humble sometimes. Here it goes. For major contributions to Australian society, you have an Order of Australia. That's a bit like for you in the US, a presidential award and this was for women in business. You got through the glass ceiling decades ago as a businesswoman, very relatively early years in your career. I mean, I tried, but I just bounced backwards with a headache and a couple of minor cuts, but never mind. Also, the acclaimed award as part of that for industrial relations and your contribution for services to aviation. And we're not talking about our little gig early in our careers as hosties. They didn't give us an award for that, but we had a good time. Uh, you've got a master's degree at University of New England and many high distinctions and a director on the board of Odyssey House. And you're a brilliant backstroker. Well, not as good as you, my friend. As you, I'm. Met, <laughs> you met the cue, Sue. <laughs> Well, there's something I can do, only I mean, one thing I can do better. But we could add some letters to my name, couldn't we? Backstroker, BS, Julianne McLean, BS. There you go. Now, so you've got a little bit to say about Odyssey House, haven't you? It's very important.
2: Thanks so much, Julianne, and so generous in your praise as always. And, Barb, I really did love that quote about lifelong friendship, something that Julianne and I have been very lucky to have. So to Odyssey House. I had the great privilege to be appointed to the board of Odyssey House in 2006 and was a board member for several years. And I still maintain a really active interest in their activities. Odyssey House was founded by Walter McGrath in 1977 after his son had died from addiction. And he felt there'd been a lack of support both for his son and for himself and his family. The original site That he bought is a beautiful old homestead in the outer suburbs of sydney australia in campbelltown there are now additional sites around sydney used for outreach but campbelltown remains uh, still the primary site i think the name odyssey speaks to their mission they believe passionately in supporting individuals in their journey back from addiction when i joined odyssey house the ceo was a charismatic individual by the name of james pitt he was six foot six, an African American, and he was a dynamo full enormous <laughs> energy, absolutely driven to address addiction. He too had had a previous personal experience with a family member, and he was passionate about individuals with addiction taking personal responsibility, but in a supportive environment. Now, James remains a valued advisor to Odyssey, but the current CEO is, is a woman by the name of Kabul Tebbett a thoughtful and capable person. She used to be Health Minister in the New South Wales Parliament. And the chair of the board is a professor for the university of, from the University of Tasmania with a significant background in public administration and health. Her name is Professor Deborah Pacone. So there's a lot of knowledge and expertise available to the organisation. When I joined Odyssey House, it had just started a program that was a whole of family approach. To support families when parents' addiction was was impacting the children and the family dynamics. Odyssey House, in addition to its Foundation residential program, has a range of wonderful programs to to support individuals, including mental health support, counselling, early referral, multicultural and Indigenous programs. But this parents' and children's program is quite unique allowing families to to stay together whilst the parent with substance abuse gets treatment. This program is all done in the Family Recovery Centre. These are residences on site and purpose-built for families and supported by a range of family support programs. So there's a recognition of the impact addiction has on not just the individual, but their family and the communities. And this is synthesised in a really practical support. I just think it's a wonderful organisation.
1: I think it touches my heart that they're now moving on to looking at holistically the whole family dynamic. It is so important. In my time, sadly, Mm. um, the family wasn't involved or chose not to be involved. And they need to know to support themselves and the person, not necessarily addicted or with a mental health issue. And I love the way passionately like you're passionate that this is moving on to look at things as i said holistically but i'm going to tell you a few statistics that are going to blow your mind about addiction um, addiction strikes and affects all of us in some way now listen to this almost 74 percent of adult Australians suffer from substance abuse these figures were in 2017 and 38 percent of adult australians battle with illicit drugs use drugs and this includes misuse of prescription drugs and uh quoted from my research and organization this could be arguable if you look up different organizations and i must remind you here that if you have any qualms or issues, please seek advice from your medical practitioner. Of course, Sue and Barb, the only addiction you both have is to overachievement, darlings. But that is not a disorder in the American Diagnostic Statistic Manual and DSM-5, and we have no cure. We have no treatment. So you just kind of live with it, and so is everybody else. But here is more frightening stuff. Alcohol obviously Sue, as you know. And also another disorder is when you well, alcohol withdraws, which needs treatment as a separate disorder. But heroin come next and opioids, they're at the top, including the dangerous synthetic opioid fentanyl, particularly in the US. And now they're slipping fentanyl into the kids' party drugs, like ecstasy, and they don't know it's there so so dangerous people are even carrying an naloxone, which the brand name is narcan on their person in the event of a drug overdose because it halts the and reverses the potential effects i.e death of an overdose and it comes interesting enough for those that are interested in a nasal spray and that's all you'd have to do in the u.s you have Easily accessible public dispensers and they're moving those to Australia as well. Next comes cannabis and I'm talking about the, uh, not the engineered or the genetically engineered safe stuff, excuse me. Um, but something you might know, not know is that with the real cannabis, and this is from my studies in the US, is highly correlated in usage to Teenagers, particularly boys and schizophrenia, of course, you have to have a predisposition, but we have high rates of dis uh, of, uh, schizophrenia in our young adult males, and this I think the precursor is correlated with um cannabis, so take care, and this is going to blow your mind. Cocaine shows up, just one hit of cocaine shows up in your brain 10 months later. It's still there. And I spoke to my hairdresser today and she told me, she told me that in Australia, we have the highest rate of cocaine use per head capita of anywhere in the world, but the lowest quality. So, um, that's something I didn't know. That's scary. But moving on to our other topic, we're doing a lot today, aren't we? Which has touched all of us in some way. We're going to discuss a disorder, which I prefer to call a developmental disorder. Not a mental disorder, folks. It is... About folks on the ASD spectrum, autism. By the way, aspect burgers is no longer the term used to describe the high functioning folks uh, per the DSM 5 or World Health Organization. My compassion does go out to those that suffer at level three, because often that it's an incredible blight for the family, because often the very severely affected have comorbidity with other mental disorders. So it's very, very complex. And Sue, I'll tell you, my son had a mobility developmental issue diagnosed in kindergarten. And it it breaks your heart. You go, what? What? Can't be. But Sam required special needs help early on. Suffice to say, he moved on to be a champion swimmer a state champion board paddler and a first grade rugby player not quite the same as gridiron but requires mobility and dexterity with catching balls so i'm I'm so proud of him and Sue, you have had a similar success story with your beautiful boys on the spectrum Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your boys stories and your story
2: Yes, Julianne. So both my boys were identified as being as what was termed Asperger's in the day, but on the, on the autism spectrum. When I was first given this information in the mid 1990s, there wasn't a lot of useful information available and out there. And I can remember going to the local library, sitting on the floor with, um, with a book that I'd managed to, to find, to read up to understand exactly what it was that this all meant. Suffice to say, there's, so much more information and support these days and, and information so much more accessible. I just uh, wish I'd had that and mm. uh, it, it's just so wonderful these days, the amount of information and the support you can get.
1: But so, I'll just interrupt. It's a hard gig when you find out. You're in shock, aren't you?
2: It is. That's so true. It's a hard yeah.
1: gig. Mm. Sorry yeah. to interrupt.
2: No, absolutely agree, Julianne, and, uh, and I just think how wonderful it would have been to have had a support group and people yeah. like, talk to you that we're sharing the experience. But that just wasn't the case in those days, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Julianne and Barb, in one, in one of your earlier bo- podcasts, you discussed this issue and talked about the importance of early intervention. Mm-hmm. And I, I just can't say how much I agree with that and how true that is. So we were determined that a diagnosis wouldn't become a label. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we worked really hard with our boys to build their, their social skills and to find things that they could succeed at and that gave them purpose.
1: Oh, well done. And I
2: have to say they've grown into wonderful young men who are not defined by what they can't do but what they can do, and I'm very proud of them.
1: Oh, I'm going to cry, soon. <laughs> I'm well, proud of you too. And, really and boys. One's in hospitality, which One's is hospitality. amazing because social cues Yes and, yes, and he's gone and beaten that, and he's out there with people yes. relating oh, What a pride! And and the other son, I always get them mixed up. Andrew and David. It's Andrew anyway. Um, has worked and, and done an engineering degree. Yes, and that's something interesting that I'm going off point here, but in research, it often says there's a theory that you find someone with a particular skill like engineering look back in the family and you will find someone possibly with the same interests and your gorgeous husband Ian has an engineering background so that kind of serves the theory that's food for thought now what I have to say here is quite interesting too uh, Temple Grandin, look her up, folks. She's, there's also a movie about her on Netflix. The US author and herself on the spectrum in her book, The Autistic Brain writes, we all think in different modes, but not necessarily are they finite or in a, a separate silo, but they may be mixed. Our uh, people on the spectrum often, they can't, as I said, read social cues. So well, but they have other extraordinary abilities in one area. The way they think, says Temple, is uh, we have, oh, she describes three categories. There's word fact thinkers, which end up journos or, or the, the, the journos, writers, that area with words, pattern thinkers, maths and music, picture thinkers. They see the big picture, which is engineering, building, architecture, and uh, lots more in between. It's really interesting theory, and I, I've kind of looked at it, and I'm quite impressed. but could you list just some of the interests and professions applicable to those on the spectrum? And we should support our autistic folk to find, as Sue said, find their passion and help to enhance their abilities. Barb?
0: Yes, absolutely, Julianne. So some of the amazing people are Michelangelo, who was a sculptor and painter, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, comedian, giving us many, many happy happy laughs. You wouldn't uh, believe it, would you? Go on. <laughs> yeah, Mozart, mm-hmm. uh, Beethoven, uh, Bobby Fischer, the chess grandmaster. And then we've got... Lots of musicians, um, Bob Dylan, James Taylor, John Denver, uh, even the cartoonist Charles Schultz, who we've had one of last with a little snooze. Cartoonist, thing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Picture thinker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they've entertained us and given us many things, and I think when we had the COVID on, we were very grateful to those people for keeping us entertained when we were in lockdown.
1: Oh, yeah. And also, Bob. I'm going to mention, or did you mention Bill Gates? The jury's out, but Professor Baron Cohen, yep, the dad of the famous Sasha Baron Cohen, or Borat, if you watch the movies, <laughs> is a leading light in the treatment of uh, autism. And he suggests strongly that this Bill Gates genius, is on the spectrum uh, but we better be careful but we don't want to be sued we really don't want to be sued by saying the wrong thing so bill don't sue us we don't have the no
0: money. we don't we don't want that we want our office 365 license renewed next year so we can all keep talking to each other <laughs> which we love
1: doing and um there is so much talent here as you just said with high functioning and many poor more people than you think um, according to leading Australian organisations, up to one in seventy adults are diagnosed on the spectrum, and in the that's in Australia, and in the US, one in just over fifty are diagnosed. What a contribution to the fabric of Australian and American society that we have so many high functioning uh, people to, as I said, to c- contribute contribute, excuse me. Um, And Barb, tell us about Little Dippers.
0: Yes, Little Dippers is a wonderful program um, for the overseas uh, listeners. We live near the beach and we have a surf safe program called Nippers. So it's a bit of play on words. And Little Dippers are people who are on the spectrum who want to get into the water, but of course they need help. So they normally have about four uh, adults assisting them. And, And it's made a great change in their lives. And one little fellow called Bobby, I think we talked about that one time, Julianne, it took three years to get him from the grass to the sand, into the water, and then he was on a little bodyboard and to see the smile on his face, that was just priceless. So, you know, there's many ways that those people have been able to touch our lives and the support people have also touched many lives as well.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Now, I think we better wrap up Oh, we could talk forever. We'll have to do this again, guys. And there's so much interesting stuff. I'll come up with even more statistics. Just let me add it. Um, maybe I'm a pattern thinker and not a word back person after all, because I love stats. Now, I want to thank you both, dear friends, for your support, Barb and Sue, your support and the lifetime of friendship, which I hope will continue indefinitely and um, you're going to talk about Barb just give people a little chat about Living as Giving the uh, Olympic ex- volunteer experience and their ability to grab this book that's, That's very good. Cool. And, and yes, yes, yes,
0: to, pro, to promote um, our book. So it's called "Living Is Giving: The Volunteer Experience." It's available on Facebook. Living is giving. It's only $20 um, in Australia and probably $30 if we send it overseas to America. And also, we wanted to promote Black Dog Institute for Mental Health Research. They need our support. And if you Google Black Dog Institute, its organisation, open your piggy bank, no gift is too small. Thanks, Julianne. And, of course, our Sue Bustle AM. Have a great day and a very happy one tomorrow in 2024. Guys, Happy New Year. Happy New Year.